Anyone who knows me knows these words don't reflect who I am. Movie mogul Harvey Weinstein, more women coming forward. Actor Kevin Spacey has sexually assaulted my son. Don Burke was a fixture on TV and radio for years. Burke's backyard was quintessential family viewing, but tonight his reputation is in tatters after a litany of allegations of sexual harassment and bullying. And welcome to this bonus episode of Mamma Mia Out Loud. This week we're dropping a little treat for you every day that's looking back at the year that was. And it is impossible to talk about 2017 without discussing sexual assault. We began the year watching a man who'd been accused of sexual assault and misconduct by no fewer than 13 women being sworn in as the 45th President of the United States. And we have ended it in the middle of an earth-shifting movement, hashtag MeToo, which has seen powerful men stripped of their untouchable status along with their honours and sometimes their livelihoods. To talk about how 2017 became the year that the world woke up to sexual harassment, I'm joined by the head of podcast at Mamma Mia, Rachel Corbett. Hello there. And the woman who has become the face of our local Me Too movement, journalist, activist, feminist, Tracy Spicer. Hello. Welcome to Mama Mia Out Loud. Thank you. Tracy, first of all, how are you since all of the Don Burke stuff broke a few weeks ago and, and our very own Me Too moment bubbled up to the surface? <laughs> to be honest, I'm pretty exhausted, but I'm also encouraged because this is the moment that pussy grabs back. <laughs> when you mentioned Donald Trump before, who would have thought a pussy grabber would become the US president? Yeah, and equally, who would have thought there would have been a, a global movement against men like that being in positions of power? I think it's tremendously exciting. But yes. it's also interesting how things can shift very quickly because when Trump was president and he said all those things, still those of us with a logical brain thought there's no way he could get through. But there's something that's shifted in the zeitgeist now that if that same thing happened again, I don't think he would have gotten up. Well, we can only hope that to be the case. But it's also interesting to think that we might actually have Donald Trump to thank for this movement mm. in a way. Is His election was a tipping point, a catalyst, wasn't it? And women have never been more fired up mm. in a way. And if you look at the history of feminism, it's never linear. It always has these bursts. And usually for activists to come together globally, you need a common enemy. And that common enemy is in Donald Trump. Even people, friends of mine who are quite centrist and not into activism or anything like that are saying, no, enough is enough. We've had enough. And that's exciting when the centre is coming along with it. So how did you feel, Tracy, that feminism was the word of 2017, the official word by the uh, Mary Webster Dictionary. Were you thrilled? I was thrilled and I couldn't believe it was the most searched thing on Facebook as well, the most discussed thing on Facebook. Feminism has truly become mainstream this year and the next thing we have to do is to affect structural changes in workplaces and society so it sustains because you see a great backlash whenever you see huge moves forward. We need to hold on to the gains that we've made and push them even further. So when we think about where this movement began, the Me Too movement, I mean actually it has quite a long history. It was um, I think it's actually a few years old but when it blew up into our the zeitgeist moment it was after the Harvey Weinstein affair um, another interesting dichotomy about this year is that we began it talking about fake news and we're ending it in this kind of golden age of reporting where serious investigative journalists by the New York Times for example in this case have unearthed and prosecuted not literally but certainly in the court of public opinion such a powerful man who we all previously thought was untouchable how did we all feel about that 
Corbett, did you realise that that was going to be the moment that it became? I think the interesting thing about Weinstein being the man is that forevermore he will be the name that describes the age. So it's like he's got, he was, look, he's a pig of a thing, but he's got the worst of it because all of the other people that are being charged and passed on, they're getting chewed up and spat out in the media cycle and sort of almost forgotten about in the sense that we forget about things pretty quickly in the way that things move. But forever Mm -hmm. and a day it will always be Weinstein. When you think about it or when you talk about how things have changed, everybody always reference pre and post Weinstein. Yes. He's become the new like ADBC. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it's it's really ter- terrible for him because I don't know, but who wants somebody like that to come back from it? But it's interesting that there's been this one person that's stood in the middle of this entire movement that everybody's kind of latched onto and that's really been the catalyst for all the rest of the change. Were you surprised, Tracy, at all when that story burst through? I was delighted because it showed that investigative journalism is still being done. It took those journalists from the New York Times 18 months to prosecute that case and it was such a robust case. It's what we tried to do and I think what we succeeded Mm. to do with the Don Burke case here in Australia. You have to work on it for a long time and Mm. it is like a legal prosecution. You have to get witnesses, you have to get evidence, you have to make sure the case is so watertight that particularly in Australia they don't come back on you with defamation because we have some of the toughest Mm. defamation laws in the country. How long had you been working on that story with the with the fellow journalists who broke it? It was two investigative teams from mm-hmm. Fairfax and the ABC along with me, so all of us probably about 12 people, 6 weeks full time. And that's why people are saying when's the next name and we're like no we're going to do it properly. We're yes. not just going to say here's someone's name on a list and we're going to pin it to the wall. But you that's, know. Well we've seen a little bit of that. Yes. We've seen a little bit of that and that's that hasn't ref- been good. That's refreshing in these times because that's one of the great problems with social media is that there are no checks and balances to somebody tweeting out and this kind of stuff really is as much as we want to throw light on the dark corners. It is absolutely life and career destroying. Mm. So it is so important to go through and cross all the T's and dot all the I's, but not everybody has the same approach as you because people do like a bandwagon passing and they, by. And they want speed. Yes. They're impatient. So as you say when they're saying who's next, I think some media outlets are, are desperately trying to have their Don Burke moment perhaps. And the thing is, is it discredits the movement, right? It really does and they wanted to have their head on a spike and mm. that's not what I think it's about mm. at all. I've never called it a name and shame movement. I've never said we're going to do anything medieval coming out with a list and the town cry is going to call out the names <laughs> and people are going to say shame, shame. It's not that at all. Storytelling is the way to influence hearts and minds and to change people's opinions and that's why Me Too is powerful. So you need the stories. But overarching that, you need to talk to federal government ministers, statutory authorities, boards. CEOs, which is what we're all doing behind the scenes as well, to change structures to protect women ongoing. That's one of the things I'm interested in us touching on is that obviously the big names in the media attract a lot of attention and um, this movement has now changed Hollywood forever perhaps. Uh, As we're recording this, they're saying that um, actresses are going to protest at the Golden Globes by wearing black on the red carpet, which is kind of unthinkable from even a few months ago that that actresses would really that fashion moment and the chance to be all over all the tabloid papers by wearing dreary old black. Um, But do we think we're at risk of thinking that this is a problem that's limited to certain industries when really if you work in a shop or a factory or an office or wherever, this is prevalent? Do you think we think it's a Hollywood problem? 
it's a it's an issue with the movement at the moment because it happens everywhere, particularly in industries where you've got men in high positions of power and women in much lower positions of power. So some of the most low paid women in society, retail, hospitality, being grabbed by mm. customers. Mm. So I would like to see it. I'd like to issue a rallying call to every journalist in Australia to do those stories as well because it doesn't just happen to famous people. It's not just about privileged white people in our society. Mm. This affects every industry. I think the problem is probably that we're just so interested in yeah. the celebrity stories. So, you know, you know, Jan, who works for John, the touchy boss, can't really put out a tweet and have everybody in the media interested in getting behind it. So it is a bit, I think it's definitely there is a change in the water and it seems like there's this amazing sort of, for want of a better term, because I hate this term, but safe space, you know, where women can actually come out and be heard and a lot of these people would have been bleeding into the wilderness for a long time and now all of a sudden if you say something somebody will turn around and say not only am I going to listen to that I'm going to do something about it there's something that's changed but for those people that are just living everyday lives going to work doing their nine to five you know in some, in an industry or an area that the media isn't necessarily going to be that interested in, especially if it's one or two cases, you sort of need 700 people to come out against John in the fish shop for that Mm. to be a story. So there are going to still be these women, I think, that are having to go through this stuff on a day-to-day basis without that shield of power that means I got you know, assaulted by somebody that everybody in Australia or the world would care about. I'd like to ask, since we've got, I've got you two in a room, first to be a bit helpful to our listeners, our Mamma Mia outlouders. Um, we have been discussing in our office, in Mamma Mia's office, we have lots of different generations. We have a lot of women in their 20s. And some of them are saying that they're struggling to talk about this issue with their mums because there is a perceived generational thing that oh, you know, in our day, we just put up with that stuff. You know, young women are soft these days or oh, but somebody just says something rude to you and, and you're going to be all offended and run to the courts. And a young um, co-worker of mine was saying to me today, I need some ways to explain this to older feminists about what this moment, why it's so important and how it's not about women just having a whinge. I find that so fascinating and I've got a couple of things that Mm. I'd like to say. One is that when we started this investigation, I spoke to a lot of older women in the industry, women the generation before me. So they're like, you know, your Liz Hayes kind of vintage. And a lot of them were saying to me, look, our generation split on what you're doing because a lot of us just thought, well, we had to put up with it. That's the way it was. Stop your whinging younger women, Mm. right? So I'm getting that at the age of 50. Mm. What I would say to the young women who are listening to this and the young women in your office when you're talking to some older women is to say, look, it's terrible that it happened to you and it wasn't right even back then and it's not right now. And the other thing is that those sexualised comments and the, the random odd grope, what we found with our investigation is the people who are doing that are also sexual predators at the other end of the scale. Right. In more cases than not, they're the ones who are accused of rape and they do it systemically. So it's not just, oh, political correctness gone mad, people made a joke about someone's bum. It's actually predatory behaviour and that's what needs to be stopped. What next? I don't mean who next. That I understand that that is a, a big question that will unfold itself with time. But where do we go from here? What do we think 2018 will hold for this Me Too moment, Tracy? 
I'm going to give you a really boring answer, but this is where we're going with structural change. I'd love to see a sexual harassment ombudsman. And I know that sounds strange, but you know, he talked about John from the fish and chip shop. Mm. He could have been offending in another fish and chip shop in another suburb and no one knows. So at least if you have some kind of body where women can come to, you know, even if you have an inquiry or a review or a royal commission, it's like, how do we stop these people being moved from site to site and continuing to offend? So I reckon we'll see a lot of really cool structures put in place in the next year. I just hope we don't get fatigue because we get it a lot. In, mm. And as soon as we've things, got very short attention spans, we do. And we love a movement when it's big, and then all of a sudden we get sick of the movement and we move on. And I think there's a lot more to flesh out here, and we need to concentrate on it a lot more and make sure that these stories come to light. We need to keep doing things, and we keep that keep that momentum going. And the only way that we make change happen is if people still care. So I hope that people still care in a way that is this monumental because without this kind of thing that we've had over the last couple of months, we're just not going to get proper change. So I really do hope we just don't tire of it because, geez, we just love to switch off to the next thing, you know, and it's great that it's lasted this long. I just hope it continues. Amen, sister. Amen. Thank you so much, Tracy Spicer and Rachel Corbett, for joining me on this very special bonus episode of Mamma Mia Out Loud. I'm hoping we are still talking about this next year, but that it won't need a bonus episode because it won't be a sort of strange thing that Mm. occurred. It'll just become so much part of our conversation that this is not behaviour that is tolerated anymore. Very wise. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. This show was produced by Eliza Ratliff for the Mamma Mia Podcast Network. Please tell us what you think. Join the conversation. You can email us at outloud at mamamia.com.au or call us on our pod phone on 02899 9386. And Happy New Year. <laughs>